Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. We are back again after a holiday brain dump last week. This week on the show, uh, I am back with Taylor Holiday for our monthly one topic with Taylor conversation. Taylor, say hi to the people. What up? <laughs> oh, geez, that was going to peak everybody's audio. <laughs> oh, yeah, Four sorry. I forget. I forget about that. I don't know the rules of audio. I'm just laughing. Yeah, you, you don't. Well, anyway, Taylor, uh, as you know at this point, this is the uh, CEO, founder of Common Thread Collective, the agency that owns 4x400. Uh, and uh, I head 4x400. We are, what are we? We're an e-commerce holding company that acquires, operates, and grows DTC brands. Um, and, uh, and so this week on the show, um, we're going to... We're gonna just do a fun little thought exercise. Uh, I'm gonna talk you through some recent success with a brand and Taylor and I are gonna sit and talk about how do we extend that success beyond ads. Uh, you will hear the thought process as we go. Stay tuned, I think you're really gonna like this. I think it's gonna be really fun. All right, Taylor. You know, something I've realized, one of the things about recording a podcast every week is that now I, Either somebody tells me about, or I catch all of my little verbal ticks that I did oh, not know course, existed. Yeah. And what, the one that uh, the one that I realized is that every time the show starts, I start with "All right," <laughs> just like that. And, and now I stop myself, and now everybody's going to notice every time. And you know, so we grew up. Be we, better. Grew, we grew up our whole lives being taught to be active listeners, right? Like to acknowledge people. And now there's just not a more annoying thing that you could do on podcast than be like, "Yeah, uh huh, uh huh, yeah," while someone else is talking. It is excruciating when I hear people, especially, you know, when they're new to podcasting and they're active listeners, it is so it's like, it's, it's almost unlistenable for me. I totally agree. Totally agree. Okay. So I, okay. So one topic with Taylor, typically what's happening here for this episode once a month is that you and I come together and we, we typically have some kind of ongoing conversation happening and we're just bringing people into it and it's totally organic in that regard. And um, in, the, in this week, we don't really have that, but we needed to record <laughs> this. That's the truth. Um, and the reason we don't have that, I think, is fairly clear, which is that both you and I are hard at work with our respective teams uh, preparing for holiday. So, like, it's just yeah. I haven't done anything but think about that for a little while. So I'm actually really excited about this because I think it will, like, take me out of that a little bit and, like, let me come up for air. And, uh, and so you and I were talking about what topic we wanted to talk about. We both had a few things floating around our mind. Um, and, um, there was a tweet from our mutual friend, Webb Smith that came, uh, that was, that happened yesterday, just like our Nate Pooleen episode. We have, we have a tweet stirring this conversation, which is one of the fun things about Twitter. You get little thought starters. Um, and Webb noted that a great, he said durable DTC brand, um, one of the, one of the elements of it would be that it has an organic marketing flywheel. Basically the idea is that like, once you have acquired a customer, that that customer creates more value beyond that, <clears throat> excuse me. I think people mean multiple things by that. Um, whether that's virality built into it, um, or whether that's retention, uh, built into where there's long-term value via customer LTV or both. So, um, either way, obviously if you have both, that's the ideal, <clears throat> excuse yeah. me. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I didn't know. No, if no. Were I didn't know if you were choking to death or if that was a pause. But it turns out just no. choking to death. Continue. Just choking to death. Well, I was going to say you mentioned the idea of a viral coefficient of of more than yeah. one. Can you just explain that concept? Yeah. So I spent a minute running a failed software business, um, and so in software, there's actually a term to de describe an organic marketing flywheel, right? Or and it's this idea of a viral coefficient. And the premise is for every one user that you acquire how many additional users do they bring with them? And that's really measurable in software. Um, 
because you can actually track the triggers that are leading to new customer acquisition via existing users. So if you think about like some of the famous examples, right? Like Hotmail or if it was Yahoo, whatever the email one that figured out how to send um, or added to the line of every email signature, this email was sent by Hotmail. And that became like this really famous um, thing that drove their viral coefficient up infinity because users were sending bunches of emails. They could track how many users would click on those emails and sign up and you can track the viral coefficient. And if your viral coefficient is north of one, your business grows exponentially. Um, so in, in consumer product, I think what we've always, what we've failed to capture collectively is clarity on that metric. And now we use sort of an obscure term that becomes this like um, boogie monster that everybody knows they should have, but don't totally know if they ever get there until suddenly organic and direct traffic shows up. But that's the idea of viral coefficient. For every customer you acquire, how many additional customers would they bring with them? Yeah, and in, and in SaaS or software or whatever, like um, any anything like that, it sort of, and for some reason, just feels more intuitive. There's a lot of these kinds of effects of user growth that happen differently. But um, it sounds, I mean, for a consumer product, it's, it's definitely trickier. It's going to be really hard to create something that's just like spreading quite like that, um, particularly for D2C brands in our space and size of those things. But I really love this thought exercise. I love the idea of saying, okay, if we think of, and, and if we're for 100, one thing we've realized is like, we're great at paid media. Um, and so what does it mean for us to, stay great at that thing and use that as our main lever for customer acquisition. But then um, could we then extend the value of that paid media by doing things like getting better LTV, better virality, et cetera. Um, and, and so, so I wanted to tell you about a little win this is a live, this is like, this is happening right now. So modern fuel uh, on, you guys heard the episode of me and uh, Coleman and Dave from my team, modern fuel, um, if you haven't, um, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go back. It's like, I think two or three episodes ago. Um, listen to us talk about what that brand is and the kind of initial acquisition numbers. But, um, we launched ads on October 15th. I'm recording this on November 10th. So less than a month ago, um, we've spent 24,000, uh, on Facebook, we've returned 54,000. So, um, so it's 2.2 ROAS with, uh, delayed attribution still coming into holiday. And and by the way, that spent that actually is mostly front-loaded. That's not mostly recent holiday revenue. That's actually, we actually performed a little better a week or two ago. Uh, so fast that we stocked out of some inventory like right away. Um, and prospecting 90-10 prospecting remarketing in terms uh, of- the- Yeah, yeah. It's basically, I mean, it's this brand had almost no word of mouth. Yep. So, like it's like all prospecting and the margins are great. So um, so this is like an immediate success. Like we're basically running this account at, you know, when you account for the full value of the spend. And of course, a lot of that is like early test ads. So like some of that stuff, you know, there's lots of optimization left to go. You, you know, you're, you're running this account somewhere between a two and a half and a three when you count the full value of the spend. And ROAS right now, it's like an immediate win for us. And, and it doesn't always go this way. I don't want to make it sound to, so easy. In fact, this is the only time so far it's gone. Well, quite Andrew, they could listen to your last seven episodes about 31 bits and realize that that's I, not the case. So. That's completely, no, that's completely right. <laughs> Modern Fuel would not have been as good of a story for that reason, no, because it, it was like, totally. oh, you just, Dave was joking about that today. He said, like, I don't understand. But this other brand, I just turn on ads and it, and it just makes money. Like, why don't I just do that again? It's like, I don't know, Dave, why don't you? Um, so, so okay. So that said, um, we are we are going... So right now, everything is about making holiday big for Modern Fuel. But the, the prompt here, Taylor, is let's you and I right now with no prep start to design our flywheel. Let's start to say, okay... With this product, consumer product, how do we, and this is the question, how do we from here create the maximum amount of value 
out of the customers that we are acquiring for our brand. And I don't say that in a mercenary way. Probably part of the way we'll do that is by providing the maximal amount of value, right? So it's not just like customers, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. That, yeah, that can, that can sound gross or whatever, but I, I think you know what I mean. Uh, how do I create the, the maximum amount of value? How do we do that from here with all the potential tools available to us for modern fuel? Um, how do we create that? Taylor, solve it, go. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, what, is, what I really want to hear is like what, where your mind goes with yes. this question first. We may so not go with so the total fun answer, but yeah. I just got done doing an interview and I asked this like really sort of similar asinine question where you give someone an obtuse amount of information and then they have to try and get to an answer and there's no really an answer and you just harass them basically to see how well they think. Um, and so now I'm, I'm on the other side. I like it. So when I think about this problem, here's how I deconstruct it. Okay. LTV is this idea that I'm going to extract more value out of the current customer, that they themselves are going to buy more product. Modern fuel, not applicable, at least not really, right? So they, they're expensive writing utensils. The idea is not that you're trying to get a customer to buy five of them. Are there going to be times where that happens? Sure. And maybe I'm underestimating how often, but my immediate assumption is that that's not the primary thing I'm after here. What I'm after is referring. I'm after- Let me, you know, yeah, let me pause you. Let me pause right there. And just say, like, I love that immediate thought, which is like, the first thing I would actually do, and I'm not going to do this live right now, but I would go check that data point. And right. Because totally. I would, because there is a thing here where I would assume that. Yep. I would assume that you're right. Um, and so what I would want to do is go like, actually see if I could figure out LTV on those sorts of things. Yeah. Maybe pop into the growth data tool, if you will. I, actually, I wasn't doing this as a plug, but uh, t- tell me about that. Seriously. <laughs> but yeah. But no, exactly. That's what I would do. It's like, of course, um, I would test the assumption that there isn't a repeat purchase value or that people don't buy a pen and then a pencil or a pencil and then a pen and that that's the actual behavior. So you're right. I would definitely check that because I'm making a definite uh, presumption there that's easily verifiable. So I would definitely verify that. But let's assume, it, do you think it's true? Like, do you, would you say that that's an expectation is that it's not a massive LTV with the current product catalog? Okay, so so I'll say two things about this. One of them is, I think there's more of it than maybe we would think. Not so much in terms of people buying more pens and pencils, but in buying like ink and erasers and those sorts of things. If this pencil or pen lasts a long time, that said, I think that that actual timeline for that would be very long. Yeah. So and don't you don't you have a hundred year warranty on the product? <laughs> we do. Uh, yeah. And but, but no. So theoretically, they're coming back to us and buying more. The, the warranty doesn't cover ink and erasers. You no, know? but I'm just uh, but, saying like, yeah, yeah. So, but there's not like with Kalo, there's an element of planned obsolescence here, which is like the ring breaks eventually and you sort of get a new one with you. Yes, you, don't, you, don't you can't that. sell a $200 pen and have that. No, that yeah, effect. exactly. That can't be um, the value proposition. You're speaking a little bit out of both sides of your mouth there. Um, yeah. So no, but the other thing I will say is one thing we are for sure investing in is that we brought the founder with Andy Sanderson, awesome guy, uh, who is an engineer. And I am trying to turn him loose immediately on product development. Yes. Because, um, because I think that part of the answer here is that we will retain customers by creating more amazing products that they will love. And that for this brand, and this is actually a really important strategic point, for this brand, that product development is like, for this, for it to get really, truly like big, it is going to have totally. to do that, even to Absolutely. like eight figures. And it's it, in the, the counterpoint, we, we talk a lot about comparing this brand to FC Goods um, because there's some similarities to it. And the, the counterpoint is that FC Goods never could retain customers very well right. because... Um, because of exactly this, right? That yeah. like they didn't, they, we never created other products that people love. So, so we're, we are, we are turning Andy loose, like saying, 
like we're investing way more in product development for than a brand this size normally probably would uh, because we believe it's like crucial to the success. Yeah. And we just think that there's this massive opportunity around the brand name and being the high end work gear company. Like there's something really there that we really love. So, so, okay. But, but for the sake of this podcast, let's set aside product development as a cop-out answer for, for what we're trying to solve right now and focus on, okay, let's deal with the, the chessboard that we currently have. Um, so what I think about that is, so, so then what I think about is, okay, my job is to get this user to refer and bring in other users, right? Okay, so that's that's the problem to solve. Um, so I think the things that that would require is, um, so if you think about referral triggers, like I don't think I can do anything really immediately to um, ask for that request. So if you think about things like post-purchase email flows that immediately trigger of refer a friend and get $5 off your next purchase, like I don't, I don't have that, I don't have anything to offer them now. So I think what I have to set up is a remarkable experience. So I have to continue to delight this customer all the way through the moment. So that's my first job. And I think about one of the things I've thought about just immediately as we were thinking about this is that, so in the front end of the funnel, there is on Facebook, and I love your brother who is handling a lot of the customer service, there is endless amounts of engagement around the price of this pen, right? And there's a bunch of people who think it's ridiculous and there's this ongoing conversation and the personality the brand has chosen to take on is sort of a like uh, comically self-deprecating but funny, quippy, like interactive personality, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, so one of the comments is like, gosh, this, pen, this pen's not even worth worth one penny or something like that. Right. And the response was, I mean, come on, it's probably worth at least a penny. Right. Like, right. like, right. it's just like, we, yeah. this is the, this is something we picked up from Patrick could supply, just watching yep. him troll the trolls. That's one of his big yep. things. And he's got an expensive product in a, in a category that's normally cheaper. Um, and so we just said like, yeah, we'll just go with it. And, and you are seeing people respond really, really well to that. Right. People, people love it. And so there's something here, like, and I agree. I think what you're doing is you're taking something that appears to be snooty and highbrow and you're actually, you know, saying, no, 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 this is just really well-made and we're human about it. Like, so I think there's something in that personality that I want to play with. Okay. So it, so I don't, I'm not, I'm working through my idea here, but the classic Wolf of Wall Street sales guy thing, what is the interview question? Sell me a pen. Sitting across the table to prove that you're a world-class salesman he hands him a pen and says, sell me this pen, okay? So the funny setup here is this idea that like, we just proved we're the world's greatest salesperson, we just sold you a pen. And not only just a pen, an incredibly expensive pen. So I don't know what it is yet, but there's something in here around this idea to set up the experience for the user to perpetuate this brand personality that invites them into like who we are, who they are, and what that means about us and what it means about us being great. And what it means is we make great product, we create great ads, we are an excellent company that you should connect to. And so there's a comedy element that I think I could get people to share if I get it right. So that's my first thought. So react to that. So, so I don't know if it's a post okay, so, email. No, 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 I don't. yeah, yeah. So the idea, so, okay, so start from the very first promise you said, which is job number one is to, is to really delight the customer. Yes. So, and actually, before we even talk about how, can you, how would, how would you measure that? Uh, is so, there any way, if you care about it, how yeah. would you measure this? So it depends on the medium that I send it. So if I, if I, if this is a post-purchase email tactic, it's forwards of the email. Okay. And, not, and I don't know that I, I don't know that I can get visibility to this necessarily, 
but it's how many times do they forward it to a friend and go, look at this. Isn't this hilarious? Let me tell you the story about this pen I just bought. And this is the email I just got, right? Like, or, you know, they screenshotted it and put it on Twitter, like, right? Like, and they think it's clever, right? Um, and, and it's the, uh, it's the old, um, it's the old, uh, uh, first media principle creating for your audience's audience. Like, I want this person to almost be able to humble brag that they just bought this rad pen by showing off my funny thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is great. This is, this is exactly why we're doing this game right now, because I think, I think, I think you're going down a really good pathway. I think there is something to the idea that. So like we started one of the first two ads we ran was in fact, both the first two ads we ran were um, beautiful photo of the pen that it's like, Apple photography, right? Like super sleek, really nice, all that. And, the, and, it, and it's, it's, it's gorgeous. You should look at it. It's really cool. The design is really cool. Um, and the two ads are, and the same with pencil, same with camera pencil. The two ads are um, the $200 pencil. That's actually worth it, which is the one that, um, or the $200 pen, whatever, which is the one that got a lot, got a lot of hate, obviously, because you're putting the price right there, which is very much on purpose. We really yep. wanted to filter people according to that. Yep. Um, and it is um, there. And then, and then the other one is the, the pen that lasts a hundred years or something like that. Okay. So both of them are like pulling out this sort of like the absurdity of how well-made this pen or pencil is as the most interesting thing about the brand. And I actually think that's a really important principle, which is for a brand like this, there's, there's something really obvious, but it's easy to miss once you become very comfortable with a brand that like, this is kind of crazy that like the, the most interesting thing about the, the brand from the starting point is how engineered it is, like how ridiculously well-made such a simple tool is, or how expensive it is. Um, and so the goal here was to, to get people to be interested in that. So, so I think if you say that's where you're starting with, and that's probably the kind of customer that you've attracted in the first place, the kind of person who would click on one of those two ads and then buy, which is important because uh, what, uh, yeah, what you win them through is what you win them to. Yep. So, um, so then you say, okay, that kind of person bought this. Now, what else can we assume is true about that kind of yep. person? That's right. And it's maybe that they are the kind of person maybe who would want to like brag a little bit about this pen or pencil because and maybe, maybe they just want to tell their friends or maybe, maybe. And I think part of the thing going on with modern fuel customers is they're the kind of people who actually can look at and appreciate what's happening in this. I don't think that That's they're right. just like, so like Coleman made the that, distinction. Yeah. Coleman made the distinction between rich assholes and somebody who would buy this and saying it's not for rich assholes. Like the idea is, is not just pure luxury like Montblanc. The idea right. is somebody can look at this and really appreciate it. So maybe what we're doing is saying like, how do we help the person who feels that in relation to that they can tell the story of justifying a $200 pen? Because I sound silly when I talk about it, but when somebody yep. can really explain it, talks about yep. it, it's, it's really cool. Yep. Um, then maybe you're just trying to lean into that really hard. And you're trying to do that by giving somebody a prompt, like uh, an open, a click or a forward or a share right. as, as the case may be. So I think part of the thing about these people is like that <clears throat> there is an appreciation for quality. Like, so I think luxury is an identity, like, and, and you don't buy things that are luxury without trying to make some identity statement. So it's not that I am more awesome than you. It's that I appreciate things that are really well-made. Like, right. Like if I buy a Mercedes versus a Porsche versus a Ferrari versus a Lamborghini, like there's a statement associated with each of them. That's a little bit different, even though they're all expensive cars, they all have a different statement that they're making within the confines of luxury. And so I think what Coleman's saying is right. Is that this person it's, 
and again, the market, some of the things that are architects and engineers that appreciate the craftsmanship of how things are made and that they're made well and have an appreciation for that value. So I think those people, they don't actually want to brag about price, but they still aren't, they want people to see that it exists. So I think that what you could do here is you could set up a way for them to share modern fuel disassociated with the price and let that be a thing that people discover later. But it's like this thing I get, look at this email that I got, whether it's hilarious or whatever it is or delightful, and here, let me show you now what it is. And so I think that equip them to tell the story without being an asshole. Okay, so what if, okay, this is so good. I love this. So what if you, because you're right, because a lot of people aren't going to want to say I bought a $200 pen. No, you don't, want to, are, you don't want it to be on the order confirmation email that shows the price that you're trying to get forwarded. That's not the one. No, you're trying to instead move towards... Yeah, I think you're getting somebody who can articulate the quality. And I've even thought about running ads like this too. Like the idea that like most, like I've thought about a video ad that starts with like, most people won't really, um, won't really understand what makes this pen so amazing. Um, you know, and then you kind of go into this and the whole idea would be to sort of separate out the people who like think of themselves as the kind of person who can see this and who can, who can, uh, who can get under the hood and pick it apart, hey, you know, like a car, like somebody who can, who can go, Oh, wow. There's, you know, look at all this stuff in a way that you, you and I certainly can't. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so my email is I've got Leonardo DiCaprio and he's going to pop up in the email in a video. Am I allowed to do, am I allowed to do that? Um, uh, I think you're not. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. Well, I'm just saying it'd be great. That'd be delightful if he's, you know, if he could recreate that scene and say, we sold you a pen. Um, so, so one of the things I think about is like, okay, let's suggest, let's even be more specific. Let's, let's suggest that this is architects, engineers, whatever, like how do we get them to pass it along to other architects, engineers, et cetera. That, like if that's the demographic, if we think, and I'm, again, I'm just responding to things I read in Slack. I don't really know a lot about the brand, but yeah. Well, but, I think we, we don't totally know yet. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. So, so, um, but then how do we like they, what are the environments they exist in? Who would they be on email chains with? Who would they forward it to? What kind of things do they forward to each other? Like, how do we get to those kinds of insights? Um, and then try and create something that would get passed around in that community. Okay, so I have an idea. I have an idea. Okay. What if, um, okay. So Sadie, our designer who designed the site, um, I think it was Sadie who told me she spent a bunch of time because of maybe because of taking some photos, taking the pen apart or the pencil apart, um, and then trying to put it back together. Uh, and it was really hard for her to like put mm. the thing back together in a way that worked because it was so, you know, there's intricacy in there. So what if you could, what if you could do something where you encouraged people in some way to really get under the hood, so to speak. Yep. And to like, Hey, if you really want to see what's so great about your pencil, here's a guide to um, taking it apart and putting it back together. So you can see all of the engineering that's going on that nobody else will know about because they'll just see this really cool. When you put it back yep. together, it looks like one piece, right? I mean, it really does. It's really cool. So then could you get somebody who cares about that sort of thing to actually go down that step Um and then, and then maybe they, maybe that's an email or something where they, um, and you even say in there, like, what if you uh, shipped it in pieces? That's a fun idea. Or, or what if you, or, or what if you got, could you get people to video themselves taking it apart and putting it back together? Like, or maybe like, like almost like some kind of a challenge. Like, can you do it under a certain amount of time or something like that? Yeah. Like, I think you could, you could maybe get them to do that, but, but like, that's where I'm like, if it came and it was perfectly designed and every part was almost labeled with a blueprint and it was like, 
Now, I don't know how hard that is to do. If you're saying it's difficult, then maybe it's a bad outcome. But I don't think, people, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's actually if, difficult. We should have had Andy on this podcast. He, yeah, he like us. if people, like if part of, I've never seen a pen that you have to put together when you buy. Like that's novel. Like, and if it came with like literally like a high-end blueprint, every piece was like meticulously labeled and there was a story about every component part. And it was like, literally now I get a sense of what this is made of versus just the end writing utensil, you know? And then it was like, and included in it was like this, like, you know, I'm showing a Bic pen that has like three pieces and they're all cheap as shit and they're all plastic and broken. And it's like, this is in the box too, but then yours is there. And so you can compare like when the values are held up next to each other and you see the difference, like there's something about the direct contrast that I think could be really interesting. I really like this idea. So here's what I think out to take your idea a step further. I think you ship it to them, put together. But then you have, but then you ship also, you include in your, in your insert, a guide to taking it apart right? and, and, um, and showing what each piece is. And maybe you do label each piece still, and you do something where the, the guide shows like, okay, here's the cone or, or whatever, right. And the, or, or the, the body of the pen and it's made yep. from titanium and here's yep. some stuff about titanium. Um, because that's also one of the things we're doing on the front end, right. Is we're, we're messaging by metal. And so you can yep. say something about like, what makes copper interesting? What makes titanium interesting? Okay. Um, and then you, you, with each piece, you show all of this stuff. Now I think, I think. No, so, so, go, go, okay. so, and then, and then, and then you, you bring people who, who bought it because they care about this. They bought it for this reason. Yes. Um, now you're all, all, even if you accomplish nothing else, what you're doing is you're bringing people a step deeper into their purchase. Yeah. Into the story of what it is. And so I think what you could do then is you think about this like on a, on a CAC basis of like, okay, what, what is the cost of ink, <clears throat> Andrew? Like what's the cost of a replacement bottle of ink? Well, Taylor, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I, I can uh, check mine on fuel.com and we'll figure right, it out. I'll, I'll do it while we're talking. But so here's my point is that if you think about that as a referral acquisition cost and you say, if you take the pet apart, and maybe what they get is rather than it coming apart, they get like a map that they can lay all the pieces on that sets up a perfect photo. So it's like a perfect square that lays out like Instagram style that labels each part of the pen. And if they take it apart, set it on the map, take a picture of it and upload it, we'll send you free ink. And so, so now it's like, we think about the incentive as the cost and we challenge these engineers to think about that they can prove that they can do it. Um, and if they do it and they set it there and they take that photo and upload it with a specific hashtag or whatever, when we find it, we'll send you free ink. Yeah. Okay. So my, so I, my initial sense is that it's not quite that hard, uh, to do that. It would be like a, that, that like a challenge makes sense, Okay. but maybe there is still something around that of like, get to know your modern fuel pen. Um, and, uh, yeah. And we'll send you something like show us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so what you're what you're paying for is like the question is what would you pay for an Instagram post? Right? Yeah, <clears throat> of somebody who likely is like endemic to your core community. How much would you be willing to? And pay therefore, for? their friends probably are too, right? Because they right. probably their right. friends from work follow them on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Um, and now that's one of those things that that I'm willing to bet any amount of money the direct ROI would be trackably terrible. But the question is, is the aggregate value of constantly people talking about this does it lead to pr does it lead to other yeah. like, is there a beginning foundation of something that i think is really possible and i think that's at the end of the day that's what you want how do you get access to their audience and where do they have audience of potential customers and how do you get 
access to them? Well, you give them something to share with that audience that's an identity statement about them that they want to make. Yeah. Okay. And I, so that, that is such a good follow-up. So let's put a button on this part of the idea. Okay. okay. So I, I think the thing you said in the beginning was you have to delight them. Yep. I think what we have said is the customer is the kind of person who cares about the craftsmanship and the engineering probably. Um, and, uh, and I have a couple of reasons. I think that's true, but um, I do think that's true. So we're, so we're going to do this kind of thing. that's going to take somebody deeper into the product and the delight of what they bought. For, which is the engineering. It's yep. going to really show that, let them sort of meditate on it a little bit, essentially. Um, and then when they do that, um, we are also now thinking about um, how that plays into their sense of self and their identity yep. and, and, all, and, and what they believe about themselves and what they care about. Okay. Yep. So let's, is there a step further we can go or is there, um, so, is there so one some, of the big things, yeah. so one of the big things I think, and this is cheating a little bit to product development is like, okay, so what we're focusing on right now is like the unboxing experience and the opportunity associated with the first moment of receipt. Well, okay. So I think we're, we're on to like, we want to get them to interact with the construction of the pen. We want to potentially play around with the quippy idea that we sold them a pen and we're Leonardo DiCaprio and the greatest salespeople ever. And it's funny. And they share that. So there's something, okay, we've got some things there, but the question is what beyond that? And this is where I go to like, okay, where is the pen going to live in their life? Okay. Yes. So, and I want to um, say something about this really fast before you keep going, which is that, which is that this is the part of the journey with products that so many of us in the D2C world, and I'm going to include myself here. I just haven't done a good enough job. Yep. We never go explore. We never, yep. we, we sell somebody a product and then we just kind of walk away. We just aren't thinking well, we aren't getting on the phone with customers enough times and going like, how are you? what is the arena in which you're using this? Where does the pen yep. live? Where do, you know, what happens? How do you actually interact with the physical good moving forward? And it's so important to, to think through. And, and I just think it's, it's just under considered. And I think to me, it's like part of the whole point of this, this game. So, right. so keep going. So if I'm in an office, like, so, so the idea is, I think presumably it's going to live in an, like, I'm thinking about some sort of work environment. Um, so one of the things that I would include with every order is a really like, seamless like sightless invisible stand that basically holds the pen floating like there that is genius so, so it like, calls it, attention to it yes on the desk right and and most pens get inserted this way vertically top down right like so how do i think about like a way in which when i set this pen down i set it and it has a home on my desk not in the jar with the other pens it can't go in there i lose if it goes in there Okay. I love this idea. And then now from, okay. So, so now we've come up with a way and I do think for the right kind of person, they're going to want to call attention to it, but they're going to want to call attention to it without calling attention to it in a way that seems douchey, you know? Right. So having it float in this way where it's like a cool display yes. is a great idea yep. that calls attention to it. Um, having it. Uh, and then what I think you want to do is equip somebody with, the story to tell, or this is where maybe the referral kind of thing could come in where like right. they actually get a kickback. If it, if, you know, like use my link, I love somebody buying $200 pen might not care about the 10 bucks or whatever. I don't know. Um, Have but you seen this, I'm going to, I'm going to drop a link for you here. Um, sure. That you keep talking. So. Maybe a card, maybe a, a simple, like index, like a simple card. That's really cool. That comes with it. What if you, could you put some kind of a scannable thing on the stand? Maybe not. So that somebody could look at it themselves. That might be too awkward. Yeah, something that you could, something that basically equips you to tell the story 
of uh, what this thing is once somebody does ask uh, when they see their your floating pen stand? Yeah, so there's this, I just sent you a thing. It's a it's the floating shoe display. So this was a thing that got released. Um, and you'll see that it basically allows you to display sneakers in a way that appears to be floating. I just sent you a link so you can drop it in the show notes. Um, and so this kind of idea of like, not only does this pen need, it, it needs to exist in your office environment and even more. So the other thing I would think a lot about, like I would think about the video view frame. And if you could get into the video view frame somehow, that would be another bonus too. Like that's harder because it's front facing, like it's harder to see the desk, but that would be another thing that I would just think about. If I could get into the zoom view frame somehow with desk product, I think that that would be really interesting. The idea of like figuring out how, when somebody's on a call, your thing shows up. That's right. Because, because especially like right now, like we're not like, we don't get the benefit of like your coworkers see your stuff on your desk. So, so how do your coworkers see your stuff on your desk? You know, like I think is an interesting sort of problem to solve. Um, it's why, like, if I were to launch a mic business right now, I would make like bright yellow microphones and that Yeti mic that you have, I think like, there's just a way that's like the view frame matters right now. And it's pretty narrow. Um, but like, I think that that, my goal would be that like somehow this experience of the pen is worth showing you. Like, look at this. You see this? You know, like, like that I do that, like that I want to show you this cool thing that I've got, you know, like how do I create something like that for somebody in, in the call? And I think the yeah, floating I mean, pen could do it. Yeah. That would just be, that would just be also a way it, like, especially like if you imagine this is a gift and somebody got it for you. So you, you don't feel so sheepish about the money you spent on it. Totally. Then at that point you could say, Oh, look at this. My wife or my friend got me this or whatever for my birthday. Check it out. And then you show the thing. That's right. Um, okay. I like that. So, okay. So now what do you do to equip the person to tell the story? Once you've initiate the conversation, right. do you do anything to try to lubricate the next interaction for the, for the, for the, um, person being told? Yeah. So this is good. So, so Jordan, uh, my partner used to like this phrase that our job was to make it so that the second someone asked you about their, your ring, like you didn't even know where to start. You had so much to say. Um, so I think this is where marketing to the customer about the brand is part of your responsibility. So I think about, I'm going to create a customer segment on Facebook. It is going to be purchasers within 30 days. It's going to be video view is my objective. And it's going to be whatever I think the best way to equip them is. If that's uh, Andy and it's him talking and it's normal. Hey, I know you just bought my pen. I'm here in my studio. Let me show you how one of these is actually made. Like, and he just like, it's like very human and he walks you through it. Or if it's, you know, a well-played brand. So I, I don't think it's like the typical slow brand story. I think it's something more natural that still is there, but I'm going to try, I'm going to have an, a goal of as that audience grows, I get 50% of them to watch 15 seconds of video content after purchase. And I'm yeah, going to come okay. up with some measure like that. So, and you could also think about this in terms of building a known audience, like, yes. um, like, so, so maybe what they do as a part of that, maybe you would even try and do this as a, um, as a YouTube ad and try to get them to subscribe to your YouTube channel, or you like are building this and with a long-term plan of, of Andy walking people around cool stuff he's doing. Cause yeah. like Andy will tell you, right. That he, he's one of the interesting things about the brand, I think. And he will tell you, uh, like, like just the idea that there's this guy behind this brand. He's British. I actually think that really helps. Like he just, he's got a cool accent and, you know, all, and, and all of those kinds of things. So there's just like a little bit of interesting thing to him. And, you know, he, he did this stuff in the British Royal, Royal Air Force. Like, a, 
you know, that was where he started as an engineer, as a young guy. And, and so you, you could have some stuff with him Now he hates being on video. So, so there's that, but, but you could have some stuff with him just walking around saying like, here's something I'm working on right now. So maybe, uh, I don't, yeah. I, just like product development. Like, Hey, this is coming down the pipeline later. Maybe I'm going to do And if it's people who love playing with stuff like that, like just bringing them into the process of like, ah, I tried this today. It didn't work or like all that kind of content. Um, and you, you'd get people there via post-purchase flows. I agree. I like the video view on social, uh, objective. Cause yep. you could post those things on YouTube and on your Facebook yep. page or whatever. Um, and then you, you also try and, um, think about that longer term. So that of course, when you do get to those product releases, you've got a big owned audience that knows something about the brand that thinks it's cool. It's sharing it with people. The other thing about those is like behind the scenes, stuff like that is super shareable for the right community. I think if it's yep. somebody saying like, here's how I solved this problem. Um, then, you know, I wonder if engineer to engineer would go check this out. This guy came up with this really cool idea. That's right. And so I even think that like the end result to your point of the owned audience is maybe there is a Facebook group called modern makers. And the point of the group is to share things that you made, that you hand built. And so it's Andy sharing his initial blueprints. It's other things he's built around his house. And what we're encouraging is just like part of the process is Andy tells you another thing and he, you get invited into the modern makers Facebook group where we share things that are handmade and that's, and we feed it with content and whatever, but it's like the whole thing is we want a community of people that appreciate these kinds of things. And it's just ongoing discussion about that kind of content unrelated to our product. But when the products come, we'll have a place for them. And so it's just a community of sh people with shared interests that you have a goal of getting them into as well um, as like sort of almost what you'd pay for, like an upsell, knowing that that has future revenue for you when you do come out with a new product. Yeah. Okay. And the flywheel element of this, right, is that at some point you figure out on the back end of this tactically how you what the SMS flow is, what the, what the email totally. flow is, what the, what the WCA remarketing window is for people who have purchased, like you just kind of do all those things and you just come up with some metric and you say like how many, you know, subscribers to this group or, or, or followers or whatever can I get? Uh, and how much does it cost me to do that? And, and you just kind of start building that as your target and go from there. That's right. That's right. Okay. I like it. This is good. We don't need to go I any think farther. We solved it. I, think, I think it's solved. Thank you everybody for tuning in. We just built another brand from the ground up. No problem. 30 minutes. Give us a call. We'll do yours next. Okay. So here's what I actually do want to say about this is that, um, just recap it first. So we, what we've decided is try to get to know your customer. I think that's an important part yep. of this whole thing, including what you're doing on the customer acquisition side so that you recognize that the kind of person you acquire is the kind of person you'll be talking to the whole time. Okay. Um, secondly, um, starts with delight in some way. Yep. This is, this is exactly what I was saying at the front of the show, just like the way you get values by providing value. So, yep. um, so you're, that, this is the goal is provide value to somebody to have an incredible experience with this brand. And then from there, you're thinking about how the product lives in the person's actual life. Um, who else they're interacting with, including what's their sense of self in that. Yep. Um, and then what's the tactical automations that make the most sense relevant to that brand to build owned audiences and to, to get people in there. That's the flywheel component, the idea that once it starts spinning, it keeps spinning. Yep. Um, and, and so that's the way you do it. And some of this stuff totally won't work. Um, but, uh, but some of it might, and I, I actually, I think this is, this was fruitful. We'll see if we make any of it happen. And of course, if we actually start to do any of this stuff and we can make it happen, Taylor, you and I can come back and analyze how it's going. Yeah, yeah. And to be clear, if you get any of it done, because I got to go back and do my other job. So now it's on you. I just get to be the idea guy. That's why I love this podcast. So yeah. It's really fun for me. So Andrew, yeah. best of luck on the uh, execution. <laughs> Thank you.
All right, uh, that's oh, see, I did it again. All right, <laughs> he said all right. Uh, I know. Okay, so that's a that's another episode of the of the e-commerce playbook podcast. I hope this has been helpful to you. Actually, what I really want you to hear there, once Taylor and I were talking about this, um, what occurred to me is that is that what would happen in real time is our kind of we would just start coming up with ideas and our brains would start going. And I, I think um, I really do think that part of the reason that some of this stuff doesn't get done is because there's a tyranny of the urgent on other things um, that feel like, you know, any of this kind of stuff that we do from here will take real time and thought and development and design and all that stuff. Um, And then on top of all of that, um, often it just doesn't, our brains just don't go towards these things in the way that they should. So, um, so this is, this is a really actually really useful for me to think about. And, uh, and maybe hopefully we'll do this with, with our other brands as well, uh, including our incumbent brands we've had for a long, little bit longer of a time. So thanks for listening. Hope your holiday um, is shaping up great for you and your brand and your family and all that stuff too, outside of work. Um, and, uh, and as always, please rate and review. We, we super appreciate that. Send any questions you have to podcast at 4x400.com, or you can reach out to me or Taylor on Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris for me, at Taylor Holiday for Taylor. Um, Taylor, you're, you're still here. Um, tell people about that growth tool for the LTV thing. I know that you've been talking about this a little bit. We, we briefly mentioned this, but I actually I haven't said anything about it. It is really cool. I want people to hear about um, what this is and how you can measure LTV, I think, with the most clarity of anything I've seen in e-commerce. Yeah, it allows you to get cohort-specific LTV data um, by different timeframes, by a bunch of different uh, variables from first product purchase to discount code use to social campaign, as well as gives you lots of cool insights um, around your visitor breakdown, Facebook ad data, um, Clavio reports some benchmarks to compare how your brand's doing against the larger data set. That's Lots a new cool feature, things. right? Yeah. Um, so commonthreadco.com forward slash pages forward slash growth dash data dash tool. I'm not at Aaron Orndorf about having to give out a URL that is completely outlandish. How about um, this? We'll put it in the show notes. There you go. That's it. Sign up. Uh, hopefully be onboarding people um, besides our clients by January-ish or so. So would love to get you right. in there. You can figure out then... Um, the how much value all of your holiday uh customers that you acquired are worth right yep all right all right thanks thank you taylor thanks very much for listening we'll talk to you soon